We are Vintage City Church based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Welcome to our podcast. If you'd like to watch the live video of this teaching, head over to VintageCityChurch.com. We are so glad you are here. Let's get started with today's teaching. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Psalm 25. I'm going to let our teams just keep doing their work, and we're going to study the scriptures. Psalm 25 is a um, fairly familiar passage. Um, Belen and I were away on sabbatical for this summer, and we don't do that every year. We do it about every five to seven. I think it had been six years since the last one. And really what's phenomenal about being able to get away and decompress a little bit from leading is perspective, just being able to sit with the Lord. And so I would spent some time visiting old passages that have been near and dear to my heart in our journey as, as a church. And one of them is Psalm 24. I mean, Psalm, Psalm 25, verses 14, which is friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. For me, it's almost been a life verse that, and really where it's come out of is a place of realizing that friendship with God is possible. That there's an invitation to the people of God to become the friends of God. And the way we do that, according to verse 14, is by being a people that fear him. So I've I've been sitting in this verse for 14, 15 years now. But I had never seen verse 10. Let me read verse 10 to you. I'd read it. How many have ever read the Bible but not seen something? And then it's like the Holy Spirit just puts his finger on it, and you're like, oh, That's what that means. Here's what verse 10 says. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all those who keep his covenant and obey his decrees. Now I have, I can tell you where I was sitting. You won't be sorry, you won't feel sorry for me. I was sitting in on a beach in Hawaii at this moment. And it was like this light bulb went off. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, how many would say, I want unfailing love and faithfulness from the Lord? I want the kindness, that tenderness. In fact, this word unfailing love is an interesting word because it's used in other places. The exact same word in the Hebrew is is translated in several other places as favor. That the favor of God is upon those people who obey his decrees, who obey his covenant, his path. So it started, I started chewing on this and I was, couldn't write fast enough because I felt like the Lord was downloading something for us as a people. So I want to take a look at it really clear. Verse four says, show me your ways, Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for your, you are God, my savior. My hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, 
your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, and my rebellious ways. How many are grateful for that? How many are glad that you just learned it's legal to ask the Lord to not remember your history? That you have a legal right in the kingdom to go to the Lord and say, there's a whole list of things that I'm asking you to forget they exist. That's not a joke, that's serious. Whatever came to your mind just now, that thing that you feel like is chasing you from behind, you have a right to go to the Lord and say, I'm asking you to not remember this. You say, well, what does it extend to? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've committed murder. It doesn't matter if you've committed adultery. It doesn't matter if you've cheated on your taxes. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you were an addict. It doesn't matter that you have a right to go to him and say, will you please forget my history? Will you please forget my, my youth? And here's why. According to your love, remember me. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Can I just convince us that he's in a good mood towards us? And that he loves it when we remind ourselves that he sees us through his eyes of love, not through his eyes of judgment. It would be very easy for the psalmist to say, according to your hatred of sin, remember me. But he doesn't. The psalmist says, according to your love, remember me. Lord, when, you might as well say it this way. Lord, when you look at me, would you put a love filter on? Would you put a kindness filter on? Would you put a forgiveness filter on? That's how I want you to remember me, Lord. Come on, think about that right now. How many of you are like me and you've got some things in your life that you'd rather not remember? But here's what the psalmist says here. Hey, Lord, when my life is over, I just want you to remember me through your love, not through my failure. You're like, well, why is it important? Because we get to align with whatever's in here. This gives us legal right to ask for it and expect it. And some of us today need to hear. He doesn't see you through your brokenness. He doesn't see you for your worst moment. He sees you through his love. He doesn't look at you and say, man, I screwed up. You know, I could have loved you if. None of that. He sees you through a lens and a filter of love. And every time you begin to wonder how he sees you, this is the prayer you pray. Hey Lord, I'm remembering my brokenness. I'm remembering my sin. I'm remembering the stupidity of my youth. It plagues me, it makes me feel lousy about myself. How many have ever had something go bad in your life and you think it must be because of my history? He's out to get me. I knew it was coming. There's this foreboding thing that we live in at times. 
could I just tell you there's no spiritual gift called foreboding? There's no spirit that's been released on the earth from heaven called foreboding. It's actually from hell. Because it's sent as a direct assignment against this truth, which is that he doesn't see us for our history. He sees us through his son. The way the gospel works is Jesus gave his life so that he became the lens for all humanity. That when the father sees humanity, all he sees is the sacrifice of his son. That he chose willingly to forget your sin. Why can't you? Have you ever considered where that's rooted in? Our, our incessant need to remember our own history and our own brokenness. I don't think it's rooted in his heart. I think it's rooted in the enemies. How many have ever tried to diet? You ever tried to fast something? We all understand if we're trying to fast away from chocolate, the worst thing you can do is stare at a jar of hot fudge. The worst thing that can happen is if those in your household don't respect your wishes and they make brownies. What's the principle? When you're trying to discipline yourself to forget something, don't stare at it. Okay, so why would you stare at your past? All it's going to do is draw you back into it. Why not just align with what he said? That the regular prayer should be, hey, Lord, I'm thinking about it again. I'm asking you not to remember it. Well, I'm asking you to help me not remember it. This wasn't even the teaching. For you, Lord, are good all the time. It's a statement of character. It's not a statement of response. The psalmist isn't saying, once in a while, you're good. He's saying, you actually live in goodness. You're only good. Then he goes on in eight and says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. And this is what I want to dig into. Out of his goodness, out of his kindness, out of his continual state of being good, his natural response is to teach us his ways. He guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his way. I think this humility is really interesting, and I had not seen this before, that all it takes to know the path of God is the humility to ask him. None of us can ever say he wasn't willing to tell me what to do. Because the psalmist says right here, he guides the humble. What is, the, what is humility? It's having a proper view of yourself, i.e., hey, Lord, I don't know what to do. Will you tell me what to do? Will you lead me? You know, what, what gets in the way of us asking the Lord to lead us? It's really simple. Our desire to lead ourselves. We tend to want to be in control. How many are recovering control freaks like me? Where you, you, 
for whatever reason, you still feel like life is better when you're in charge of it. And there are times when learning how to ask the Lord, hey, what do you want is hard. Because I know that on the other side of that, I have to be willing to lay down what I want. Thank you to all your teammates, citywide and in this house, thank you. So if you could just learn to let go of your history, quit being afraid you're gonna repeat your past and begin to ask the Lord what he wants you to do. His promise right here is I'll teach you. You say, I don't know how to hear God. It might be true. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice so we know that his voice is ours to hear. And so we just learn to, to practice. How do you practice? Time. Set aside time. How do little kids learn how to talk? They're not old enough to hop on the app and, you know, grab some app that teaches them a different language. No, they learn it by being around people talking. Proverbs says, tune your ears to wisdom. Put yourself in the environment where he's speaking and you begin to learn how to hear him. For some of you, you've begun to believe that you're illegitimate children in the kingdom and he doesn't want to talk to you. That's not true. The enemy loves to use our past as roadblocks, to use, sometimes he uses dad issues, sometimes he uses abuse issues, sometimes he uses things that just stop up our ability to hear. And he knows if he can try to fight our hearing long enough, we'll give up because we'll come to the conclusion that God doesn't like us. It's a lie. Learn how to sit before him and say, I want you to teach me how to hear your voice. I was 31, 32 before I learned that discipline. I'd been a worship pastor for several years at that point. And I was really good at feeling what the Lord was doing, but I couldn't hear him. And then I woke up one day depressed, crazy depressed. Anybody ever woke up depressed? How many are just afraid to admit it? How many also know that you don't want a depressed worship leader? It's kind of counterintuitive. And so I was trying to white knuckle it. I was just trying to fake it till I could make it. I'd show up and I was just so heartbroken on the inside. And I couldn't even figure out why. I was like, I've got all these reasons to live. I got a great life. What in the world? And it was just this anguish inside. And I was working for a guy named Kent Hummel. And Kent said, hey, I want you to go sit with the Lord in the morning and just ask him to love on you. And I don't want you to show up to work until you've heard his voice. Two ways to navigate that. One, sweet, extend a vacation. Or two, follow the leader God put me under at that moment and do it. So I, I remember where I was at. We, had, we, were, we were young and fairly broke. We had little babies and I was working and Blenna was home with the boys. Um, because we did the math, we're like, this makes no sense to let somebody else raise our kids. We might as well have them raised by a parent. We'll just, we'll white knuckle it. And we ate a lot of hamburger helper. Wow, for days. 
just for years. I, could, I have had every version of it 10 times over. But we didn't have any furniture in the living room because we were, we just, there wasn't resource to do that. So we, it, it was a giant playroom, worked great for kids. There was nothing I could screw up in it. And I would go sit on the heater vent and take my yellow legal pad. And I, I remember sitting down like it was yesterday and I'm like, Lord, I can't hear you, but I need to hear you because I want to kill myself and I don't know where to go. Those are real prayers, right? I'm like, Lord, I got every reason to live and no, no desire to live. I need help. And slowly but surely, the Lord began to speak. And my rule was I wrote down whatever I heard. I don't know why that was my rule. It was just somewhere along the line, somebody had to hear God and write it down, otherwise we wouldn't have this. So that was kind of where I started from. And they were, I went back and looked at them the other day and I was laughing because they were just so childish, what I was able to hear. But you know what? Kids learn how to speak and they're not very good. They don't quite have the syntax right when they're learning how to speak. And yet how many parents would reject your child if they used the wrong tense of mom or dad? No, you're like, I don't care what you said. The fact that you talked is amazing. We celebrate it. We celebrate words that sound like other words and we say there are other words because we're like, oh, I think that was dad. It wasn't dad at all. I think he said poop, but nobody knew the difference because we love the voice. Okay, what's the point? He loves your voice. He loves talking with you and loves to talk with you at the level you can understand. He's not gonna sit you down as two-year-old spiritual self and try to explain to you physics. He's gonna talk to you at a level you can understand. He teaches you his ways. And then there's this promise in 10, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. And here's what I really wanna debunk. In our culture, we've bought into what I would say is a lie that the kindness and the favor of God flows into our lives regardless of how we live. Church, a lot of us are walking in a, re in a restricted release of the favor of God because we're not living the path of God. You're like, oh, it sounds so harsh. This was all so kind. Now this is so hard. No, I want you to understand this word here Loving and faithful literally means favor. The favor of God is incredible. It's this thing that makes life easier and better. It's just this path of the righteous, according to Proverbs, is like the light of dawn. The intention of the Lord is that it starts at this point and it goes up and to the right. It gets brighter and brighter to the fullness of day. His plan for you, not my plan for you, his plan for you is to give you a future and a hope, blessing, not cursing. And it's connected to you having the humility and the discipline and the willingness to say, I don't actually know how to live on my own, so I'm going to let you show me how to live. And I'm just going to follow the demands of your covenant. Okay, what are the demands of the covenant? There's two words here in the Hebrew that are important for us to know. One word is bereath, which means what is agreed upon by death. The other word here is edda, which means spoken, given, or released testimony. So it's what is said, and it's what is done. 
You and I have been invited into this covenant life where we follow Christ. I am crucified with Christ, yet I live. But this life I live now, I don't live according to the flesh, I live it according to every word that comes. Our lives belong to him. It traces its roots back to this incredible story that we see in Genesis 14, 15, 16, where Abram, he's not yet Abraham, most of us know him as Father Abraham, he's he's Abram at this moment, and he goes to sleep, he goes into a vision, goes into a dream state, and God shows up in the dream state, Yahweh appears to him, and Yahweh shows him this, this bizarre picture, and in this picture, we don't understand what it is because we're not from that part of the world, and we don't understand covenant language. Here's the picture he sees, he sees animals that are halved, they're cut in half, which has to be kind of a gruesome picture. I'm sure it's not really like greeting card antiseptic, but there's animals that have been cut. So you're looking at their guts and they're laid in half. And, and then there's, there's candlesticks floating through the middle of it. And there's smoking pots floating through the middle of it. And all the time, Abram's in a sleep. And yet at the other side of this vision, he comes out and his name is Abraham, meaning he made covenant with God. How does a sleeping guy make covenant? Here's how. Because what God says, here's what the sacrifices mean in covenantal language. It's, a, it's an ancient covenant and you, you kill animals, you lay them in half and you walk between them. And by what you're declaring when you walk between them is, be it done unto me as it is to these if I break the covenant. Okay, so here's what I wanna highlight. Abram, Abram never walked through the covenant. You never walked through the covenant. What God did with Jesus on the cross was said, because you've broken the covenant, we entered into covenant, and because we entered into covenant, one of us has to go on the hook for it, so I'm gonna send my son to die to go on the hook, because something has to die for this covenant to be fixed, but it isn't gonna be you. And so because of that, we put our faith in him. And we just say, you know what, I'll follow you. I'll do what you said, I'll live like you said, And see, the enemy knows that if you do that, the favor of God on your life is gonna so transform, not just you, but the world around you. The people are gonna be like, I don't get it. Why why do you walk through the same thing I walk through, but you just have this blessing on you. It's like you got gold dust all over you. It's like everything you touch, it works. How, why does it work? And your answer is, you know what? I have an incredible king. He just showed me how to live. He told me if I just live like he said, he will take care of it. I don't have to worry about it. All I gotta do is put one foot in front of the other and trust him. It's time for the church to rise up and walk in her favor, which means it's time for the church to become real serious about keeping the demands of his covenant. We just say, you know what, Lord? I'm gonna do what it says. No more stupid sin. No more places where I'm like, I believe you in this area, but not this area. Nope, I'm done. It's all or nothing. Because I'm tired of sacrificing my favor. Your favor's not your salvation. Your favor's this beautiful add-on But you can make life with Jesus really hard by not walking clean. You really can. And you can make life with Jesus really easy by walking clean. You're just like, I'm just gonna stick close to the king. I'm gonna live the way he says. In in which areas? All of them. All of them. You know what, I'm gonna stay so close to him because I want as much favor as he's willing to pour into my life. It's his desire. We're not twisting his arm. He wants to put favor on us.
but he just waits to see, can I trust you with the demands of my covenant? Will you stand with me, please? Let me pray this out, and then I'm going to turn it over to Megan. Jesus, it's one of my favorite things that we never really know what to expect when we come together. I love how vibrant you are. I don't think there's anything that could capture today other than holy. Well, we want to be a people that walk in an unrestricted flow of favor. So Holy Spirit, for every place where there's areas of addiction or areas of habit or areas of, of mental construct that are against you, we ask for your conviction right now to whisper to those places. You lead us into truth and you lead us into a clean heart. And you help us learn how to recognize your favor and stay in it. Lord, for the sin patterns that have to stop today, we're asking for courage and guts to say no more. For addictions that have to stop today, courage and guts to put an ax to the root. Lord, for every construct of the mind, we're asking for your grace and your courage that we could stand right before you and live clean. We love you and we honor you. Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for your time with us. If you enjoyed this teaching, we would love to invite you to join us at a live gathering. We are located at 1501 Academy Court in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about Vintage City Church, including our gathering times, previous teachings, and how to become a part of our family, visit us today at VintageCityChurch.com and be sure to connect with us on social media.